Hey everybody, welcome to the Tomato Tomato Podcast. Finally back from the dead, or a brief hiatus. Um, I'm Jenna. I'm Chris. Yay! Okay, Yay. So, so yes, we have been missing for a couple of weeks. Um, we had a very good reason in that my schedule was an absolute nightmare. Um, this has been, as the day we're recording this is my first day off in about two weeks because I've been working and working through Comic-Con and then moving stuff out of my apartment. And so I didn't really have the time to properly sit and appreciate a movie. And don't worry. Oh, you've been busy. Yes, I have been very busy. Um, well, and I also went to see you. So that yes, was part of why we were busy. Um, but so, and don't worry for those of you who were eagerly anticipating Spider-Man 3. Um, part of my, me having no time was that I had no time to edit it and it ended up being a very long and very fun episode, but it's a very long episode and it's kind of a nightmare to edit right now. So we will get to a it's point. It's coming, Rachel. Yeah. Don't worry. Yes, Rachel. It's coming. Yes, Rachel, who specifically asked fan. me last night. No, we have more than one fan, but, <laughs> but our biggest fan, Rachel, asked me last night where that episode went. And I explained it to her. So it's it, it was recorded. The audio still exists. Um, one day it will come out. It will be really hilarious when it does come out because we're talking about like what we wanted to happen in Homecoming and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. it's like very time sensitive. <laughs> but then now is very outdated already, like three weeks later. We're like four episodes into this whole thing and we already have a lost episode. I know. That's amazing. I know. I'm pretty impressed for us. So, but so today on we are talking about a movie that also involves a spider. <laughs> oh, good lord, it does. Yeah. So I don't remember what our logic was to that led us to deciding okay. to do this so movie. I I was it was my logic, and I have a very good reason for the logic because when we were plotting out the initial course of this podcast, we were mainly trying to plot like movies that were paralleled in some sort of way to another like new release like whatever the new release of the week is and so i made the connection between this and the dark tower because western and also like recasting the lead as a person of color when everyone usually thinks that it's a white person and they get kind of butthurt about it and so i was like yeah this would be a fun kind of thing to go through but good lord good lord so if uh, if you haven't figured it out already, or if you just don't read podcast descriptions, uh, we watched Wild Wild West. Yes, and if the you nineteen ninety nine classic. And if you are listening to this and you have not watched Wild Wild West, I believe the day or two after this episode will be put up, the movie will be uploaded on Netflix. So nice, yeah. So, so they have no reason not to watch it. Yeah, so you you have no excuse other than that this movie is a piece of garbage. But it's a it's a weird. It's a nice, hot piece of entertaining garbage. Entertaining garbage. It's very entertaining, despite being absolute offensive garbage. So, yeah. Um, I don't even know where we should really begin. So, I, I, I think I'll, I'll, I know where to start with this. First, to, for anyone who hasn't seen this, and I know you kind of know a little bit from what we talked about before, I'll just give a history lesson. <laughs> to the genesis of this whole movie. I also might add, I have a book about the genesis of this movie, essentially. And Very I have, nice. yeah, it's somewhere packed in my stuff. It's called like Hit and Run, I believe. And it's all about like the Warner Brothers execs that made this movie and how they lost their fucking minds. 
So I'm oh, once I once yes. I fish it once I fish that book out of storage, I am definitely reading it because like watching this movie fresh makes it so much more fascinating <laughs> to me. I'm I'm gonna have to borrow that off of you. Yes, absolutely. So basically, uh, this little history it, it's gonna be the Cliff Notes version. So Wild Wild West was a 1960s television series, kind of uh, western, but had more fantastical elements to it. And then jump to the 90s. Uh, uh, Richard Donner was going to direct it. I think Mel Gibson was yes. direct uh, attached to it at one point, and then um, Tom Cruise at one point. Then it was oh, kind and of... Shane Black was supposed to write the script. That's right. Yeah. And so it was kind of in development hell for a while, really stagnant. And then so let's jump to the mid late nineties. Now, totally different uh, project being worked on by Warner Brothers, by Tim Burton. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Superman lives. Yes. The the ill-fated uh, garbage trash pile movie that could have been. Okay, but like uh, I honestly don't know. I honestly do not know if it would have been a garbage pile because I am just so fascinated by those pictures of Nicholas Cage in the Superman suit that like I don't I don't know. I want to go to I, the universe where that movie was made. I would highly uh, I've seen it on TV. Most of it, like eighty percent of it, there's a documentary about this movie. Oh, nice! Or the making of it. Yeah, highly recommend it. Um, so basically, uh, Tim Burton, Nick, Nicholas Cage are deep into production on Superman Lives, and they're sinking a lot of money into it. And uh, eventually, the Warner Brothers executives, after a string of failures at the box office, say, "Like, listen, we're gonna can this thing. Sorry." Uh, but the money that would have gone to Superman Lives went to develop Wild Wild West. Now, one of the producers on that movie, uh, Superman Lives, went over to Wild Wild West. His name was John Peters. And one thing that he was very <laughs> insistent on in putting Superman Lives was a giant mechanical spider. Mm-hmm. And so now we know that that spider lived on despite Superman Lives dying carried on into wild wild west yes also if you want to hear an even more extended but also very long-winded and not really telling you that much more information version of the story that chris just told you um there's a episode of how did this get made from like forever ago oh my god it was the reason why i first watched this movie was because i knew that they were going to cover it on how did this get made and it was the most disappointing thing in my life because this (laughs) movie was batshit insane and i was like i need them to talk about it and then the guest that they had on that episode was kevin smith who wrote super a a script for superman lives and spent the entire hour and a half long podcast talking about the mechanical spider and how he didn't want it in his script and then it made it into wild wild west and then the entire time the the hosts are just like trying to steer the conversation back to like shitting on the movie but then kevin smith is like no i need to give you a bit like more of a history lesson (laughs) and it was so disappointing because i was like they barely talked about everything else in this movie that is absolutely insane and there's so much and and he's in the the documentary i mentioned before that i don't remember the name off of so he he has another avenue to just really go off on that movie yeah oh another bit of uh trivia um so uh Will Smith was coming off of uh, Independence Day and Men in Black. Yes. Uh, and so he was going to go onto another big 
uh, movie yes. potentially. Okay, it, it was I was untested. I was, was going by... to I was going to share this piece of trivia because okay, I wrote about it a couple of months ago for work, and it blew my mind. Like you didn't, so you didn't know that before. No, I honestly didn't. All right. So yeah, so Will Smith was initially given the script for a little indie sci-fi film called The Matrix, and he was supposed to star as the part that eventually went to Keanu Reeves. But he basically said, no, that's not for me. I'm going to go do Wild Wild West instead. But then in the past, like in the years since, he has basically said, I now regret kind of essentially the fact that I didn't do The Matrix. The but worst at the decision same, he made. Yeah, but, but, but then he's also like at the same time, he thinks that Keanu Reeves played it in a way that he never could have. And he doesn't oh, know definitely. how he would have been able to play it. So he's like, yeah, in the long run, it makes sense. But I'm also kind of like, the, I made the worst choice in this situation. Which is like, because honestly, I would have loved to have seen The Matrix with Will Smith in it. That would have been oh, like God, groundbreaking too. at the time. That would have been insane. But then like in his kind of defense, though, because uh, he said that he was a fan of the original TV series. Yeah. So it's like, do I take this big movie adaptation of a classic TV series or this new really weird sci-fi movie that no one knows anything about yeah so in his defense uh in hindsight he made the wrong decision but at the time i can understand his logic absolutely yeah for anyone who's jumping in and this is your first episode we will have links to all of the reviews in the description so you can kind of follow along with us and like actually see that this is what people wrote about the movie and it's not just us making up nonsense talking yeah, yeah, we're not making this shit up. Yeah, so we're gonna go. We're gonna look at two rot or two fresh reviews and one rotten review of the movie, and kind of use that as a jumping off point to kind of have our discussion about it. Because as as people who have a very weird, unsure opinion about this movie, we thought it was a better route to go with the fresh reviews and try to see like how people tried to justify this movie at the time. Which there are parts that are unjustifiable, and some that are. Yeah, I can get into this. Yeah, like, I had moments where I'm watching it, and I'm like, this isn't awful yet. Like, it's a fun yeah. kind of awful. And then the next scene does this gigantic pivot, and I'm like, ah, fuck, okay, this is really offensive. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, but so, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, before we dive right into the reviews, uh, so the Rotten Tomato scores, that 17%, I think that, is that our lowest yet? I Think that we've so? covered. I'm pretty sure. Well, they've they've set a tomato tomato record. Yes, they have. Uh, so with an average rating of four point one, that point one's gonna get them far. Uh-huh. Out of a hundred and thirty one reviews, just twenty two are fresh, which is way more than I actually expected. I I don't know. I I that number seems about right to me. Honestly, uh, it's it's weird, but it also makes sense in a way. And then the audience yeah. score has. 28% liking it, with an uh, average rating of 2.7 out of 5, with total user ratings at almost half a million. Which is insane to me that that many people have gone out of their way to review this nearly 20-year-old movie. Oh my god, it is nearly 20 years. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So yeah, so our first review we're going to look at is The Baltimore Sun. Um, it's written by Anne Hornaday. Um, it was published in on June 30th, 1999. Um, says, so, so it starts off with, like, uh, uh, Will Smith, I think a lot of kids these days, 
forget that. Will Smith uh, was nicknamed Mr. July. Yes. He was very bankable. Yeah. You know, every July he'd come up with a new big blockbuster. And I think this was the first one that really kind of uh, made people question Mr. July. Yeah, well, because the two that preceded it were Independence Day and Men in Black, which are movies that still stand the test of time and are still, like, considered basically to be classics. So the fact that he, I mean, like, yeah, I guess two out of three isn't awful. But it, yeah. it, it is kind of funny how this one completely, like, falls to the wayside. Like, you wouldn't think, if, if I told you about this movie just in concept, you wouldn't think that this would be, like, the big bankable Mr. July release, essentially. No. Yeah. So, it's just, okay. And then, the review goes on to say, because we might add, this is a positive review, but... It, 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 it might not sound like it, one, it is, but it, it is. At the root of it, it's... It they gave it a well. fresh rating. So, yeah, because it says that at, at times incoherent with long, dull stretches, Wild Wild West doesn't exactly jump off the screen, but it will prove to be great fun for Smith's fans. And since this appealing star is in nearly every scene, we'll give them plenty to root for. Bolstered by a subtly funny supporting turn by Kevin Klein and a scene, scenery-chewing performance by Kenneth Branagh, Smith carries the movie with his signature ease, which I will agree, honestly. Yes. He was the most fun part out of this ridiculous movie because it did feel and i love it in a weird way i've never seen any of the wild wild west tv show but i i know I, I enjoy the weird like anachronism of will smith talking like will smith present day in yes this and wearing movie, this... Sh- cool shades and yeah a nice tailored uh, suit yeah it's the anachronisms work in a weird way like no one was saying like boobies and stuff no. like that in or Air Gordon. Yes, exactly. In the 1800s. And no one was delivering that many puns, I would say. That whole no. final fight scene where he is him fighting the like the guy with the knife and stuff. I No more Mr. Knife Guy. Yes. So we were we were both God. watching the movie separately and I was about half an hour behind Chris and I texted him, No more Mr. Knife Guy in all caps, and then it was just a textless picture of that Walking Dead meme where Rick makes the face at Carl when he's cool. trying to tell him a joke. <laughs> it's just like, because that is totally in line with that kind of pun. It was so fucking bad. Oh my god. But yeah, it's like, I even though I don't know how I feel about everyone else in this movie, like at least Will Smith was being Will Smith, and that part was yeah. at least enjoyable. Nothing changed about Will Smith. No. Kenneth Branagh is almost unrecognizable. He really is. And I feel like he he was kind of self aware. He knew how shitty this movie was, so he was Did like, "Did he Fuck know?" It. I don't know, because the way with how ridiculous he played it, it seemed like he didn't give any fucks at all. That southern and he accent just went for it. Like this man is knighted, and that was the worst southern accent and the worst everything. The queen really should reconsider his knighthood. <laughs> well, and like, um, I think somewhere in the trivia, I'm pretty sure that. No, actually, I think that might be wrong. But, like, a lot of people were offered this role, and they basically were like, nah, like, I'd rather not do it. And then Kenneth Branagh was like, hell yeah, okay. Except apparently during filming, he got really uncomfortable because when he had to sit in his wheelchair, he had to, like, sit on his knees so that they could, like, CGI out his legs. Which, by the way, if you haven't (laughs) haven't watched the movie yet and you're listening to this, Kenneth Branagh does not have the lower half of his body in this movie. No. Yeah, which is a weird tactic. This whole movie is a gigantic thing about men's penises. 
it's this it was the screenwriter probably was thinking like how many dick jokes can i fit in it's an entire allegory for dick jokes because like he doesn't have the bottom half of his body which then makes him loveless quote unquote and then like there's this one line with like Salma Hayek and whatever when they're I think it's when Will Smith like goes underneath the train to like fight Loveless's people or whatever and Salma Hayek is like ooh he's so courageous and then Kevin Klein is basically half of her lines I know well and then Kevin Klein is basically like well courageous doesn't mean anything if you don't have the white right equipment or whatever like it's so many dick jokes and not even dick jokes just dick references like the entire crux of the movie is just this gigantic like phallic thing about like men and their penises am i right yeah because uh as the uh, baltimore review goes on to say uh film goers may or may not be surprised that sex quotient has been considerably amped up here uh while while west awash in cleavage and suggestions jokes the most unsavory may sail over your heads so like i as i was watching this i was thinking because they say like they they say shit they say so many penis jokes there's so many sexual references but it's rated pg-13 it really toes the line with that rating like i genuinely thought i was like oh this is kind of i appreciate this more in a weird way because they were going full r and then i'm like no they weren't this was pg-13 because there are some really weird shots that make you think it's an R movie. Yeah. Like, remember that shot of uh, one of Arliss's uh, ladies in a thong? Yep. Yeah. So gratuitous. Yeah. So, Why? Bai Ling, who is the token Asian, like, lady. Okay, so I want to say something first as a pause. I want a spinoff of all of his women. Because, like, they dressed really nice. They all knew really good science stuff. They were, like, they super capable. And, like, I want to see a series or a movie that's just that. I don't need any of this extra, like, penis allegory bullshit. I just need that. Because that would yeah, be really so you, fascinating. So you had Bai Ling's character. Yes. Who is, kicks ass. Then you had But it's also girl, the worst you... raci- like, racial stereotype of oh, God, everything yeah, Asian. Awful. Like, yeah. Uh, then you had Munisha. Uh-huh. Which another pun in the name damn it uh, and then um then you had the one who's a really good lip reader oh yeah like that why is that's like the charlie's angels of the wild wild west it, oh my god it really is like they just threw that in this movie in the meantime yeah like we're just gonna throw charlie's angels as like background characters <laughs> that's insane to me but yeah like going back to it because there's this like that scene in the movie between Biling and who, by the way, Bai Ling is in Crank 2. So the day that we get to Crank oh, 2, God. get ready. Um, but so, like, the, the scene between her and Will Smith is so... I don't even know. All of the sexual scenes in this movie are just absolutely, like, dumbfounding. They really are. And, yeah, you get, like, the full shot of her ass. And then the same thing with Salma Hayek with the whole joke of, like, the nightgown that has, like, the ass cut out. I'm like, in what circumstance was that even a thing? Yeah, so Selma Hayek's character, half of her lines are swooning yes. over Will Smith's character. Yes. Well, Kevin and Klein is just in the background, like, well, actually, I think you well, should actually, date with. I, I think you should date me. Because I'm a smart nerd. I'm basically a um, neckbeard in the 1800s. He really is, though. And so half of her lines are just pining. Uh, and her thing is, like, I have to get back to my father and save him from Loveless. Um, when in fact, in the end, like, oh, he's not my father. He's my husband. Why did she so lie? The, the whole time, they, she, 
you know why? Because they had her lie because then uh, the Will Smith and Kevin Klein couldn't pine for her. It's such a contrived lie. Like, it's, it's there's no justified reason have... for her yeah. to have said that at all. It's literally just no. like a plot device to then serve the guy's storyline. Yeah, it's just, to, it's like, oh, we need her to be the object. And we just need a lady character in there. Yeah. God, it, well, it really like the, serves no well, purpose. She is literally an object because it's like, she's like the MacGuffin of this movie more than like any she of the is. technology is because it's like Kevin Klein only really gives a crap about like going over to find Loveless in the third act because he has Salma Hayek's character. Yeah. Like. You could just replace her with a sexy like lamp. She, she is. It's the sexy lamp test. That's all it is. It, it honestly is. That is so right. Oh my god. If you don't know what we're talking about, just Google sexy lamp test and have fun. Okay, so going back to this review, it says, The movie's finest moments are in its sight gags, like a tiny dog reproducing the RCA logo with a dead soldier's old-fashioned hearing aid, which I did not catch. I don't really Me give neither. a crap about RCA. I'm I feel sorry. like that's such an extra reference really in this kind of movie. Yeah. I don't know who that was for. I don't even know. And then... And then it and goes then on. on to say yeah. that, yeah, some of the, the, the fights are impressive, but some of them are just long, uh, excessively long, and puts Starship Troopers to shame. But then it says, you've got a movie that turns out to be better than its extensive rewrites and reshootings would suggest, which I'm like, uh, no. Like, I forgot no. how many reshoots and rewrites this movie had to go through. And it's, it's kind of hilarious to me because we're in such a weird culture right now where everyone loses their goddamn mind about reshoots. Yeah, when, whenever a movie undergoes reshoots, everyone screams that the sky is falling, the movie when is doomed. When it's like every movie has to go through reshoots. Literally every movie. It's, it's basically like, of course that's going to happen. Whether or not it's slightly longer than a normal base, most of the time you're not even supposed to know how long a reshoot is for a movie. Like, I'm no. sure if you went back, I'm sure, like, a lot of the popular movies that are around now went through, like, an extended amount of time for reshoots. And this is, and reshoots are something that are always scheduled ahead of time. Yeah. And, and built into schedules and filming. And, and, and it's a routine thing that studios do. Well, well and it, I think it's kind of fascinating how Marvel is doing the, like, Infinity War and Avengers 4 thing. Because the it's the easiest possible way for them to not have to get any sort of spoilers whatsoever. Because not only are they filming the movies essentially back-to-back, but if someone sees, uh, like, if someone catches, like, them filming a scene out on location somewhere, they can't tell what movie it's in or if it's a reshoot exactly. for something or whatever. Like, it's so secretive and covers it all up in this really interesting way. So we're like, we don't know what the hell we're going to see when the movie actually shows up. Like, it's all just kind of thrown we, together. The only way you're going to get answers is, is if you ask Tom Holland. Yes, because <laughs> he will tell you. He will tell you the entire plot of the movie, but, and other than, like, the redacted parts that they don't tell him. Like, he did not know. I don't think he knew he was fighting the Black Order. Cause he was like, no. he was like, yeah, they, they just told me to, like, fight this tennis ball. But they didn't tell me, like, what the character was. They just told me to fight this thing. They will not tell me, which I think is so funny. But it's like, that's a weird exception to the rule of like how reshoots usually go. Whereas most of them, in any case, I'm talking about Justice League because everyone loses their. So, yeah, so the, the, they've gone on for so long because everyone else is doing their own thing. Momoa's tied up with Aquaman. Yeah. Cavill's tied up with Mustache Gate. Impossible. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag Mustache Gate. <laughs> 
God, it's my favorite meme. It makes me so happy. But I'm also Neat. just like, I really hope it's not noticeable. Like, I hope that they're able to like actually CGI it out really well because I'm really worried. I I, I know I, they will, but I it's really just don't like, mind. I don't mind it just, either. I just hope that it's, it's just, not. It's just noticeable. a side effect of being resurrected. Yes, <laughs> just have it like occasionally because you know reshoots aren't like an entire sequence. It's usually just like, hey, the lighting was bad in this shot, so let's redo it. So it would yeah. be hilarious if it was a scene with him talking and then like it goes from like mustache to no mustache to mustache to no mustache. Like it would just be <laughs> the best. I'm excited for all of the B-roll. That's just Superman with a giant great. handlebar mustache. But yeah, I so that's what, why it's interesting with this movie because it's like at the time it seemed like it was this big scandal that there were all of these rewritings and reshoots when in reality like now it's become this thing that's much more common. It really has, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm looking over the Baltimore Sun review more. Yeah. Um, they call the movie we, Inspired, which is one. Which is, which is weird. Like, I guess or it no, is in no, some aspect. Oh, no, wait. They, I read that wrong. It says, that doesn't mean that Wild Wild West is inspired. <laughs> the story never really veers from its by-the-numbers plot. The filmmakers rely too heavily on the horror routines as putting its male leads in drag. And Selma Hayek, as a gratuitous love interest, wanders around like an afterthought. So this is Which still, we, this is a positive review. It really is, yeah. It, remember, people, this is uh, rated fresh. This is on one of the Rotten 22 tomatoes. rated fresh. <laughs> the, so we've already touched on Selma Hayek's character. I feel like it, the paint by numbers is very true. Well, and um, she does feel like an afterthought. Like, I mean, in, in a way, but also, I, I like, there is always that trope. I can't remember trope. her contributions well, to the, the movie. Because there is always this trope in a lot of, like, westerns that it's like, oh, the, the beautiful maiden kind of thing. But it does feel in a way that, like, this should have just been Smith and Klein being the, like, ambiguously gay duo. And then... I would have been trying to Yeah, because, God, the subtext in this movie is not subtle. It is very overt. They want people to know that it is weird that these two men are spending so much time together. <laughs> and they keep talking about their dicks for some reason. I don't know. God, that whole scene with the fake boobs. I, oh my God. I'm still... How did we let that happen? I have no idea. Uh, and then, like... Because, but... okay, so... The, the scene we're talking about is, like halfway through maybe a third of the way through the whole movie and it's established in the first 10 minutes of the movie that kevin klein likes to dress in drag that that's his like go-to undercover anything is dressing up in drag which i was so like the, the second it showed up i was like oh god yeah i forgot about this this whole movie is going to be a nightmare now because like i and i didn't even it didn't even occur to me how much the movie hinders on that like when i was watching it through the first time but it's, like, so offensive how dependent it is on the fact that, it like, oh, it's funny that he dresses in drag. Yeah, it has so many offensive jokes in that vein. The drag, racist jokes, ableist God. jokes. It, it's, it's across the board. There's, like, every single minority group is offended in this movie. <laughs> like, there, I, I can't think of any that aren't, really. No, no, me neither. Everything is everything is equal gang. We, but it, it, it but covers all of them. But it's weird because it's almost you would almost expect that kind of thing in like a Seth MacFarlane movie or like something yeah. where it's deliberately I'm just going out of the way to defend like offend people. But instead, this was marketed and put out as this gigantic 
like made for everyone blockbuster. But which is weird because then it has these moments of trying to be quote unquote woke. Woke. Well, because like it is woke to have a black cowboy essentially, which is what the Baltimore Sun talks about. It's like yeah. that it's really rare to have him in that position. Which is then why I tied this movie to the Dark Tower because it's like, well, it is kind of the same thing. Like everyone lost their shit when Idris Elba was cast because it's like, oh, well, I didn't think that character was black, and it's like, you can have it be whoever you want it to be. Like, yeah, because it, it, cause it goes on to say the uh, features some surprising and refreshingly frank talk about race, whether in West and Lovelace's exchange of offensive bards or in West's true motivation for chasing his nemesis come to light. But, yeah, it's like, it has these moments that it's weirdly woke, but then it has a full sequence where he's almost hung. Like. Yeah, it was very. It was I, jarring. I don't know if, yeah, it was. It didn't fit the tone of everything else, and it was just very, it's like, oh, okay, we're going there. Um, All right. Well, and like, okay, so that sequence made me think, I was like, Imagine an alternate universe where somehow, in some weird way, American Gods got ad- like adapted into a movie in the 90s. Oh, boy. Because, like, the show that we have now handles all of that very gracefully, handles it, like, handles all of the, like, social injustices and all of the, like, race topics and everything really, really well. That would not have happened at all in the 90s. <laughs> Oh, God, no. It would have been a nightmare. There there was not as much sensitivity back then. No. And then there we go. That's another thing of, like, people thinking that the lead is white, and then they cast it as a black actor. Hey, so we're tying everything together. But, yeah, it's like, this is so... This movie, even if you were to make this movie today, 90% of the movie would be scrapped. I would hope. None of what you... Like, none of this... None of the jokes that you get in it are actually, like, anything that holds up today. There's only, like, a couple moments that were actually funny to me, and it's mainly just, like, Will Smith being Will Smith. Yeah, and and, and you can get that in a dozen movies. Exactly. So if you're going to watch, if you need your Will Smith fix, there's plenty more options. Exactly. Although we do need to watch um, Collateral Beauty, because that is, yeah, from my understanding, on par with this as the worst Will Smith train movie. Wreck. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's like a, it's another offensive train wreck, but in like a completely different way of being offensive (laughs) and also released 20 years later. So I'm really like, that was one of those movies. I haven't seen it, but when it came out, I was like basking in all of the reviews of it. I was just like, I want to hear more of how angry people are about this movie because it's really fascinating to me that like it bamboozled people. So yeah, we're definitely going to cover that at some point. Oh, we have not mentioned the crux of this whole movie, the song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I listened to before we started recording to kind of pregame myself into getting into this whole thing. It, like, uh, it's not bad. I don't hate no. it. It's, it's very catchy. It samples that, that one Smith. It samples that one Stevie Wonder song. Yes. It's, like, it, it, yeah, it's catchy in a Will Smith kind of way, but it's also one of those things where, as I was listening to the lyrics, I'm like, did this actually play on the radio? Because it's... I, I think it might have. It's literally just references to the movie. Yeah. Like, well, th- think about it. This was this was a time when most of these movies had some sort of hip hop song tie-in. As as was discussed on the episode of At Midnight that we watched last night. Yes. <laughs> there was a whole game it, about this. Yeah, and so you get he's coming off of Men in Black, uh, 
with the same director too, mm -hmm. Barry Sonfield. Yeah. And he did a song for that one too. Oh yeah. So I mean that was a big hit. So of course, why not do another one? Someone I because I, I went and watched the the video for this song and then someone in the comments goes i want to know what the the matrix song would have been if will smith had started in the matrix because you know he would have found a way would have been oh, like okay if, if you're gonna put me in your weird sci-fi movie i need to have a song over the end credits and like i don't know what it would have been but it would have been incredible oh it totally would have been it, yeah uh so the Washington Post is the one rotten review, and it is very scathing. I will say that it like it is it, it very calls scathing. The, it calls the movie wild wild waste. It says it's a waste of time, yeah. a waste of money, and a colossal waste of talent. Which I think that is the most kind of succinct review uh, for this movie. Yes, it says let's face it, hordes of people are not going to rush out to a 19th century costume drama, even one with an 80 foot robotic spider, to see Kevin Kline, Kenneth Branagh, and Salma Hayek. Blah blah blah. But like, it's so weird to me that the eighty-foot robotic spider was thought of as this big selling point. Yeah, I mean, I guess blame that on John Peters. It's not even really a selling point, though. It's like no. I don't understand why like reviewers and people who actually saw the movie were like, "Well, at least it's good because it has a mechanical spider." It's like no. Everyone is hung up on the goddamn spider, and I don't know why. It it's looks so stupid so and pointless. Stupid. It's so dumb. And like I don't know, God, <laughs> it yeah. I'm trying to think of what else is in this review. Yeah, so basically the Washington Post uh, review kind of gives a summary. It's like, yeah, this movie sounds good. You have all these really fun, cool actors, this cool concept, and um, yeah, I know it sounds terrific, doesn't it? No. Uh, and unfortunately, no, no. Yeah, uh, it does. It does point out think, something that we mentioned earlier about how. Will Smith is wearing the 1869 version of Ray-Bans, a cowboy Ray outfit, and a six-shooter. Yeah. It's kind of great. Well, and this review also makes a big connection that uh, hadn't occurred to me, that it's really similar kind of to Get Smart, where yes. it's just like the weird odd couple dynamic and like the, the, the dorky guy that makes all of the gadgets and everything being kind of more based on the gadgets than it is like actually on the plot. Well, and that kind of touches on another thing we talked about before. Which, uh, at least the first half of this movie, really plays up the movie cop TV tropes. Yes. You know, we're going to take uh, off the, you know, who by doesn't do book. things by the book yeah. cop. And then the one who's like, I'm the smart one who does things by the book. And now we're going to be paired up together because our uh, officer says so or whatever. Who's the president? But also, in a way, Kevin Klein does not do things by the book. He cross-dresses every chance that he gets, and he literally impersonates the president on several occasions in a way that could genuinely get him killed. Yes. I did not understand why he felt compelled to dress up as the president. It's so weird. And it's not fully explained. Which, like, it's like we know he, you've already established that he likes to dress to go undercover. I don't know why you need to do that again. I guess... Because they come back to that later in the movie where he dresses as the president. And it did say this is really weird. So I, I was looking at the IMDb trivia and apparently Kevin Klein also played the president and a man impersonating the president in the 1993 movie Dave. Yes. So it, I, I guess, I that. guess that's the only justification for it. And it's kind of to, to do the whole thing of like, 
no shoot him no shoot him like that <laughs> stupid trope god one day i can't remember what we have planned what movie we have it tied around one day we are watching the adventures of pluto nash which the oh god it, it it is heavily based around a no shoot him no shoot him kind of <laughs> setup and it is the most frustrating thing in my like that i have ever seen it's amazing but it's so awful but yeah it's like um, kevin klein and the whole thing of like i'm just going to masquerade as people is so weird especially in the third act when spoiler alert will smith then goes undercover in drag as a belly dancer but then it's it's kind of established that he got the costume from Kevin Klein. So I'm like, okay, so yes. Kevin Klein had a belly dancer costume as a white man. Like, that's weirdly offensive. Yeah, it's... it's I'm still confused by that whole belly dance thing. <laughs> it's so... Like, how did we let that happen? I don't, how did Will Smith be like, yeah, this is fine. I'm totally going to do no this. no point did anyone stop and say, like, hey, guys, let's not do this. It's so offensive. It's so pointless. It's literally just a giant distraction because they know that Loveless is, like, obsessed with women. Yes. Yeah. And then, like, he has to spend, like, five extra minutes of, like, fight scenes in that same outfit. Because why the hell not, yeah. apparently. Although it's really weird because then he changes into, like, normal cowboy clothes. And I did not realize it. Like, all of a sudden, I, like, looked down and looked up, and suddenly he's in a different outfit, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, it would have been kind of hilarious to have him have to fight the entire scene in that weird belly dancer outfit. Yeah, it, it really so out of place and offensive in this movie. I, I don't know why they felt the need to do it, other than to, like, hey, let's have Will Smith in drag. Yeah, and Kevin Klein in drag, when neither of them really look good in drag. Like, no. it's, it's like bosom buddies. It's just, like, you're so obviously... Like, they're so obviously not fooling anybody. Oh, so... Yeah, so we're still on the, the Washington, Washington Post. Post. Which I, yeah. I found interesting. They compare the machines to the, like, rejected maquettes from a Star Wars brainstorming session, which I kind of love. Yeah. They almost, they do feel in a way, if, like, you got, like, H.R. Giger to, like, design Star Wars. Yes. To be like, hey, why don't you come up with the at-ats? And it's like, ah, they're going to have eight legs, because why not? Like <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it's so... Yeah, it, it's like this weird futuristic steampunky, yeah, Star Wars inspired aesthetic, which works in a weird way. But I don't know. It works for this, but it also it, like it, it makes it very distinct because like there's a lot of yeah. westerns where they're just like a straight western, and they they honestly kind of bore me. Like I don't know, you have to have a really good plot in just a standard western for me to actually care. Like I don't. Which I think is why westerns are dead as a genre yeah i mean they're uh, they're i would think the the act structure of a western is still very much a thing but it's been applied to different genres i would say yeah like look at logan logan is basically a western well, that's true. just like in the context of not being set in the old west but yeah it's like uh, gosh this fucking yeah, movie so the one thing that the review says at the end Either make the whole dang thing one big over-the-top cartoon, forgetting race and melodrama and feeble attempts at sense, or lose some of the bad puns, stupid anachronisms like thong underwear and the expressions butt ugly and jokes about Eric Gordon and wheelchair access. <laughs> Wait, which review? It, oh, oh yeah, there we go. It was at the bottom of that review. A, yeah. That, okay, so this review really likes like one one sentence 
like to do a page break and then one sentence and then a big long paragraph to where I kept thinking yeah. that the review was over and it wasn't. But yeah, that's very, very accurate. I feel yeah. If it was fully in, we're gonna embrace the over the topness of it or do a more serious movie. Yeah, it would have been much more successful. But instead, it wanted to do both. Well, and apparently, that... apparently, a large reason for the reshoots was that they. People watched it in test audiences, and they didn't know it was a comedy. Yes. So, which is very weird to me. Yeah. Because I, I, if I valued or I didn't value didn't value my time, I'd want to watch that early cut where people thought it was not funny. Yeah, because it's like what? Because none of the jokes in this really land today. I would be really curious no. what jokes were even left when in like the original thing. And and especially when you have someone like Will Smith. I mean, they could really just have applied, like, the men in black formula to it. Yeah. Like, honestly, that opening scene with him in the water tower, which, by the way, that is a disgusting safety hazard. Like, people God, are yeah. drinking his, like, testicle water, basically. <laughs> like, so he's <laughs> bathing. this is the wild, wild west. Yeah. How is everyone not, like, like disgusting teeth and just like hunched over because it's that's actually accurate to the wild wild west yeah but i don't no. want to drink will smith's ball water no but like so the opening like his his opening scene essentially is him like bathing in a water tower with a lady who i i was like i recognize her that was um liz's mom from homecoming oh god yeah because i was like that look wow. she looked familiar which that was interesting because i looked in the trivia apparently they shot that whole scene with another actress and they didn't have enough chemistry in that scene, even though they were supposed to be like overly sexual with each other. Yeah. So they reshot the entire scene with this with the lady that now was Liz's mom in Homecoming. But the original actress did not know that she was cut from the movie until she showed up to the premiere, and they were oh, like, no. "You're not in the movie anymore." Oh. Which is so fascinating. That's so fascinating to me. It's like. Yeah, this uh, this movie. If you if you really want to, you can go on the IMDb trivia and just have like the time of your life. Like there are so many stories about. It's this a movie. treasure trove of. It's factoids. so fascinating. It's insane. But yeah, it's like uh, I think that was it for the Washington Post review. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. It's really just completely scathing. It's just yeah. <laughs> Although okay, one thing that the Washington Post does mention. Which is kind of like, it's a plot point, but not really a plot point. But also, I wish that they would have pushed it further to go with that, like like, like you said, like full-on parody, just like self-awareness. It is kind of ridiculous to have a like black secret agent in the South and like have him yeah. be going through all of these things. Because it, it didn't occur to me. I was like, oh yeah, they technically like are still very like segregated, sort of. Like stuff is still yeah. very bad. And yet he shows up in the south and then is offended when he has to pretend to be a slave and i'm like okay buddy like, yeah it's, it's it's either embrace the the realism of it or just or go completely crazy with it and have it be where no one acknowledges the fact that he's a person of color like yes but instead they did neither that's like what you said it's like they keep they could do one thing or another thing and instead they tried to do both yeah they're, we're gonna straddle the fence here and see if it works out but they just end up falling off it yeah uh do we want to go to the san francisco whatever 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's, for the, yeah. I can't figure out what the actual name of this paper is, but it's the like San Francisco, San Francisco Chronicle. Gate. I think it's the like oh, Chronicle? Chronicle, but I don't know oh, why okay. their website is called San Francisco Gate. It's kind of weird. Me neither. Um. Yeah. So this is another fresh review, but you, it, it, you might not think it. No, it's but it is the, the like the pull line is the term Will Smith action comedy doesn't quite do this film justice. Contraption comedy is more like it. And I'm like, that is very accurate, but you wouldn't expect that from a fresh review. But yeah. Um, it is funny, this, this review, if you didn't, if you hadn't seen the movie and you were wanting to read this review beforehand, it essentially spoils the whole movie for you. Like, Which I don't think, if you care about that, then I don't want to know you. Good point. <laughs> very, very good point. It also points out that Smith & Klein sounds like a pharmaceutical company. Which is kind of hilarious to me, because it's like it when, really when you does. have like Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, like that. It, it, if you put that on a poster, it at least like looks easy enough. But yeah, Smith and Klein just looks like Smith and Klein. That's where I get my boner pills from. <laughs> or it looks like like personal injury lawyers. Hi, come down to the office of Smith and Klein. If you get killed by a eight foot spider, a, a giant eighty foot tall spider, then we'll help you out. <laughs> yeah, it's like so. Yeah. Yeah. So the the San Francisco review, uh, again, touches on something. It's also a buddy movie yeah. that uses visual phallic puns to hint wickedly at what might have only crossed the minds of viewers of previous buddy movies, spelling out the ambiguity of their relationship with a funny routine involving an overheard conversation about feeling each other's breasts. Yeah, it is like it's so overt. I have not seen a buddy movie where the gay subtext is not even subtext. Like, yeah. it, it's usually, like it's, I said, it's usually the ambiguously gay duo, but this is, like, full-on that level of that sketch, where it's, like, everything is a gay innuendo. Like, and yeah, that whole breast scene, I'm still, and it's hilarious to me, because the guy that plays the, like, train driver is also, first of all, a very useless character until, like, the last five minutes of the movie. Because he's just yeah, kind of... Yeah, all of a sudden, it's like, hey, I'm a really smart guy, and I'm a secret agent it, like you guys. Yeah. Like, why was that not like the president uh, sent me before. to protect you it's like well then why were you just standing around and like making weird faces at the fact that they were yeah. making these like gay references and stuff why didn't you help them out yeah that guy is also in one of my <laughs> like a movie that i watched a lot as a little kid which is snow dogs so oh, God. yeah so i was like oh hey it's that guy but yeah it this this review also as a positive review says that like it, it talks about how great Kenneth Branagh was and how he used his like Shakespearean quality. Did he though? I don't know. Did he? I don't know anymore. I don't I don't know. I'm like questioning everything. It makes a little bit more sense that the first Thor movie is as weird as it is with all the Dutch angles and everything knowing that he directed it and also had the mindset of being in this movie. I mean he almost gets a free pass for me because he's Gilderoy Lockhart. Yeah. But even then, this is. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. It. God, I don't even. I'm trying to look at what else in this review. Every review usually just talks about the TV show. Oh yeah, there's a lot of gallows humor in the film. Smith, master of the Some insolent very sneer, literal gallows humor. is not above going into a mock shuffling routine if necessary before striking like a coiled snake. When West barely survives a lynching attempt, he reminds himself, never drum on a white lady's breast at a redneck dance. <sighs> that whole sequence. I just, I'm still, I'm still dumbfounded that people Me signed too. off on that. 
that that really should have just been cut. No, yeah, I don't understand. It's like Tarantino level of like shoehorning something in that does not need to be there. No, it's it was just there for the sake of. I'm doing air quotes you can't see, but humor. <laughs> it's not even humor because it's like so offensive, and it it took me out of the movie honestly because like I said. At, like everything leading up to that for the most part other than like the one reference where he's like I'm not dressing up like a slave for the party everything before that was basically just like this weird fantastical world where it's like totally acceptable that he's a black man being a secret agent yes but instead then the lynching thing completely takes me out of it and is like oh god this is real and this is really awful yeah it was almost like it's like oh crap we, we cast Will Smith we gotta address the the racial issue about this and they do it in a very unsensitive way yeah i can't remember it might have been one of the other reviews that i was trying to find for this but there was one review that basically said that like they cast will smith the actor and not will smith or like the will smith the action star and not will smith the black actor and that then they had to realize oh we have to like actually address the fact that he's black <laughs> and it's like <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and well, I'm like, I'm so dumbfounded by the fact that Kenneth Branagh's whole, like, Loveless's whole thing as a villain is he wants to like return America back to everyone who owned it. He he is the 1800s equivalent of Trump. Uh, MAGA. Yeah, exactly. I was I was literally just waiting for like we're gonna make America wonderful or whatever like some sort yeah. of subtle thing that could have because totally if that movie it. was made today that would totally be the, the allegory they would go for yeah it's like god it's so it's so weird in a way also too because it's like we're gonna give everything back to the states that originally took it and i'm like okay but why yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it makes no there's sense there's no justification for it it's just kind of like this is my big evil plan Wahaha. it's like so dumb yeah it like many of many things in this movie, it just does not make sense. Um, and then another thing this review touches on that I didn't kind of realize before, but um, uh, Sunfield was never able to come up with a sequel to Men in Black. He <laughs> set up Wild Wild West review. for one. Yeah. So it's funny now having 18 years between uh, now and this movie. Yeah. No sequel, no sequel. to Wild Wild West, no. but two for Men in Black. And a potential crossover with 21 Jump Street. So... Also, for those playing the drinking game at home, we have finally mentioned 21 Jump Street. Because <laughs> I realized while I was watching this, I was like, we talk about buddy comedies and 21 Jump Street quite a bit on this podcast, even though we don't intend to. Like, it always somehow comes up. It's so weird, but somehow it always applies to like what certain movies do wrong or right. It's, it's really weird. So weird. We should just become a 21 Jump Street podcast. <laughs> Hi, welcome to... 21 Jump Street cast, or whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, it is weird that it sets it up for the sequel. I mean, it sets it up in this way of, like, a narrative sort of thing of just, like, oh, well, you know they're going to go on more adventures. Like, yeah. It was, I get, a, I get a weird, like, vibe from the ending of that movie because it weirdly reminded me of another movie that is far superior <laughs> um, but kind of has almost a similar dynamic. Oh, God. Um, the Man from U.N.C.L.E. Yes. yes. Two very different okay, but Secret see, Service so, agents. So see, I had the I was thinking that too in a way. I was I was thinking about another modern movie, but it was in a completely different context. I was thinking kind of of Kingsman. 
because like okay. so between like all of the weird contraptions that turn into things and when it was like when when they have like the pen that could be the gun and then um Kevin Klein is like well wait I, what would I do with my pen and then like Will Smith has the the thing that comes out of his shoe yes. and whatever it totally felt like Kingsman to me at points but I can totally see the man from uncle I got that vibe from the very end when the president's like all right here's your next mission because that's kind of how the uh, man from uncle ended but yeah. we was with all three of them yeah and it's like they easily could have turned salma hayek into, into the yeah into the version like, of um alicia vikander's, yeah, character. vikander's character yeah but instead like a, a much better movie would have done that but they did not yeah it also was kind of funny so like they have they talk about the whole thing about the founding of the secret service this is going to be weird for the listeners, but they can just go and listen to this other podcast. But we both just listened to an episode of The Dollop, which we highly recommend. It's an amazing history podcast. And it talked to, it mentioned a thing that was basically about the creation of the Secret Service, but in like a completely different context. And so I, I had to think for a second. I was like, wait, does that actually line up with like Grant's presidency? Was that actually when the Secret Service was created? Because that was like around the same time as like the whole thing with Lincoln. And whatever. Yeah. It was really weird. It took me out of it for a moment only because I had just listened to that episode. I was like, wait. I was, but then I also want a movie of Smith and Klein going to fight the guys at Lincoln's tomb. Because <laughs> that would be hilarious. That w- See, I almost, I would have loved to have seen what a sequel to this would have looked like. Because how do you one up an 80 foot spider? You don't. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we'll never see a sequel to this no oh my god i almost wonder. i could just imagine i could imagine john peters going up to Warner brothers executives like all right guys how about a 160 foot spider <laughs> at this it's twice the size how about it would be like the alien franchise where it's like oh now the alien has babies it would basically be like that it would be like now they're spider babies and now there's <laughs> Whatever else. It would be... It has 16 legs, guys. Yeah. Well, and it's... Yeah. I had wondered, okay, with this movie, because I, when I looked up Wild Wild West, like, eight other movies and all of the seasons of the TV show and stuff came up, and I had wondered if this was a case of some of Warner Brothers not wanting to lose the rights, in a way. But I actually, now looking back, I'm pretty sure CBS owed the rights to this. So this was literally just really? them deciding to make this movie just for the heck of it. They really wanted to because I they canceled Superman Lives. Yeah, and they made they decided to make this instead. They had more confidence in this. Whereas I totally, I totally thought that this was a movie in the same vein of like the Fantastic Four movies, where it's like, well, well, if we don't make one after a set amount of years, then the rights go back to whoever. But it looks like I'm pretty sure that they actually own the rights. Yeah, which is really interesting to me. It's funny, too, because they also asked one of the original actors from oh, yeah. the TV show to come back, and he read the script and was like, fuck no. Yeah, he was like, this is nothing like this the show. This is awful. And then, and then when the film won, like, eight Razzies, he came and picked them up. Like, he, yeah. he, he accepted them at the ceremony. I'm like, I'm glad that he I, had I, a sense of humor. That was some sweet poetic it. justice. It really was, though. Like, the only thing that's better than that with the Razzies was when um, Catwoman won, and then Halle yes. Berry came up. <laughs> like, because that, that acceptance speech is one of my favorite things. But yeah, it's like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what else from the San Francisco review before we wrap it up. I think that's basically it. Yeah, it, it kind of just echoes Yeah. Uh, the other review. Um, um, this one says that Salma Hayek holds up her end of the bargain, 
but I disagree. She barely has anything to do. She really doesn't. No. And apparently she hated that too because she didn't she didn't like this movie because she didn't have a lot to do. Well, and apparently the role was initially offered to J-Lo and then oh, wow. to Penelope Cruz, but they both had scheduling conflicts. Well, they're lucky, aren't they? Yeah, just a little bit. But yeah, um, I think we can go into our last segment unless you have anything else you want to add about this movie. Yeah, watch this movie drunk. Yes. That is, I highly recommend that. Or make a drinking game out of it every time yes. you make a dick joke. Yes. Just take a drink. Dick jokes, cross-dressing, um, anything, some stupid invention or whatever, you will get absolutely hammered by the end of this movie. Yes. I highly recommend that. Instead of how we watched it, which was over breakfast. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so to go into our last segment, our like fan casting segment, we usually take the stars of whatever movie we watched and we try to figure out what superhero property they should be in and like same thing kind of for the director if the director is someone that we kind of would trust to put on a superhero property so obviously will smith is already covered yes. <laughs> in the fact of being deadshot um it's still so weird to me that like no one talks about the deadshot solo movie that we're supposed to get no like I, it's in that weird kind of nebulous development Stage I'm like, just put that like, in yeah, Suicide Squad. Yeah, we've talked Squad. about it. Like, yeah. just give him a better role in Suicide Squad too. Like, I feel, I, and he, yeah. And Will Smith is still big enough a star that people will go see it. Exactly. Yeah, I. So he's covered. Um, Kevin Klein. I almost thought in a weird way. I was like, I can see him being like a Spider-Man villain, but I don't know which one. Chameleon. Okay. <laughs> that was totally yeah. a pun on him being a chameleon in this movie. <laughs> I did not realize that, but yeah. yes, you know, I almost, he is yeah. a master of disguise. It almost was Wild like, Wild he almost could be like an alternate version of like the lizard when they had like the Andrew Garfield movies. Like he almost yeah. feels like in the same sort of vein as what they ended up doing with the lizard. Definitely see that. Yeah. Just something about him, just his face like works really well as a, as a Spider-Man villain to me. It really does. And then I think he could pull off a villain role. Yeah. Definitely. I really don't know what else he has done. Yeah, he's he's this. he's kind of the villain villain in quotes. He's more of just like a side character that's occasionally annoying. He's the landlord yeah. on Bob's Burgers. So oh. he's in like a bunch of episodes as this like guy that wears a all white suit and a white eye patch and just like goes nice. and bugs the family for their rent. And so I'm like <laughs> that his sensibility that he has now totally would work with a Spider Man villain. Like, it would be kind of great. But, yeah. That and, then, and then Salma Hayek, I feel like if, uh, she's, she's one of those people who I already kind of had as a potential for Catwoman if they want to go way older. Oh, definitely. Because, like, there's, there's the two camps with Catwoman right now where it's, like, make her young like Harley and just say that Bruce Wayne is just a sugar daddy, so who cares? <laughs> or, make it, or make her Bruce Wayne's age and then have that be more of, like, a different sort of dynamic. But, like, I could, yes. I could definitely see her... Her and, like, Ava Mendez and all of that stuff. I could definitely see them as, or, like, either of them as Selena. So she would be my, I mean, that would be my pick for her. Yeah, I don't have, uh, yeah, I'll just agree with you. <laughs> Yay, that was really <laughs> easy then. That was an easy one, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, um, all right, do we have anything more to add before we wrap up? Uh, I mean, if you, if you really want to see wild wild west make sure you do it with other people <laughs> have 
a lot of booze readily available. Or you can watch it have by some yourself. Fun with it. We won't judge. Like, yeah. just do your own thing. But like I said, booze, do booze makes this movie exponentially better. Because nothing else will. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. So where can people find you on social media? Oh, good. On social media, because you can't find me anywhere. Yes. Where can people find you? I don't need people you? coming up to me on the street. Yeah. Not that I leave my house. <laughs> Same. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at the Chris Vitto, and when I'm active on Instagram at the same handle. Yes. Um, you can find me on Twitter at HeyIt'sJennaLynn. I also write for ComicBook.com. Um, as I mentioned at the start of this episode, Comic-Con totally kicked my ass in the most fun way. I wrote, like, so many articles during that weekend. So if you want to check out that, as well as the rest of my coverage of basically a bunch of different things, but a lot of DC and Marvel, um, my link to all of my stories is in my Twitter bio, so you can check it there. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter at Tomato Tomato Pod. Um, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, and I think I'm going to try to put us up on Podbean and like a couple of other places too. Ooh, that would be great. Yeah. So, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, now you can stop bugging us, Rachel. Yes, <laughs> Rachel, and whoever else may be listening to this. If you're listening this far, we commend you. Um, we also Thank you. don't know what we will be doing for next week's episode, so just stay it's tuned for the fun of that. So yeah. Um, until next time, keep watching movies. Bye. Bye.